You're listening to the Behind the Tee podcast hosted by your favorite club curlers, Rob and Kelly. The show where we share our thoughts on what's happening in the curling world with the internet. But let's be real, we end up talking about football half the time anyways. It's not just a rock. It's 42 pounds of polished granite with a beveled underbelly and a handle a human being can hold. Okay, so in and of itself, it looks as if it has no practical purpose, but it's it's a repository of possibility. Stop laughing. And when it's handled just right, it exacts a kind of poetry, as close to poetry as I ever want to get. Look at Kelly crying <laughs> from these verb, these beautiful poetic verses. I mean, <laughs> I haven't heard anything as beautiful as this it's quite something i hope uh the whoever wrote the screenplay for this won an oscar i would love to take credit for it but if you have not figured this out that is the um that is one of the lines that we both scrawled down when we watched the greatest curling movie of all time also probably the worst curling movie of all time because it's the only movie (laughs) (laughs) only curling movie of all time Exactly. This is from Men with Brooms. 2002 cult classic. Canadian cult (laughs) classic. Which, okay, to be fair, I remember watching this movie when it came out and a a little traumatized, a little offended. It was quite, it was not that great when it came out because I think we were all expecting a movie about curling and it to be accurate. And this movie is far from it. But 10 years later, watching it again... 10 years? More like 20 years. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, sorry. <laughs> watching this 20 years later, I have to say, I highly enjoyed this movie again. I have to say, me too. So this will be a very different podcast. Normally, we talk about uh, whatever's going on in the curling world. But today, we're going to uh, channel our inner Siskel and Ebert. There's a 90s throwback for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we will give you our review of Men With Brooms. I also want to just flag here, if ever you're curious to watch the movie, if you haven't, I highly suggest you watch it um, because it is a Canadian classic. (laughs) You can actually watch it for free if you're based in Canada or if you have a VPN. If you go to gem.cbc.ca, you can stream it for free. Really? You're welcome. Okay, well, because just let's set this up for a minute. If If you listen to the podcast a lot, you know that at least once a week, Kelly gets on my case for still paying for cable but jokes on you kelly because cable finally paid off for me over the summer i remember letting you know that i was channel surfing and i had that had this movie channel that was for whatever reason <laughs> showing men with brooms Wait, so it, was I peep- a, it was a 70s movie channel too, that's right? it yeah i had this movie network i had four movie channels 70s 80s 90s 2000 for whatever reason the for whatever reason the men with brooms movie appeared on the 70s movie network explain that one to me. But I PVR'd it and um, that way we could watch it. And I PVR'd it back in July or something. And uh, we finally decided to get around to checking it out. And um, yeah, I I kind of agree with you. Like I thought it was really stupid. And it, I guess, I don't know, it shattered our innocence a little bit <laughs> when we were 12 <laughs> years old and saw it perhaps. But looking back on it now, I, I have a lot better things to say about it than I thought I would. I think it's I think it's mostly because the second time we watched this movie, our pers- our um, perception of it was really not great. So like the bar was set really low. 
And there was a lot yes. of things I forgot about the movie and I kind of went into it expecting it to be like super cheesy, really um, not accurate. And it was not. And it met all my expectations and more. <laughs> I do want to say though, like as much as we love it, I just want to give you uh, the scores of the movie on Rotten Tomatoes because that's a very good measure to see how very reliable yes. yeah um so Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 57 percent okay which more than I expected but what surprised me even more is that apparently on amazon.ca it scored a 4.5 out of 5 really yeah um Okay. So this must be a whole bunch of people, uh, I guess, ordering it from Amazon Prime, watching it for the second time 20 years later, because Amazon wasn't really a thing back in 2002, and um, probably had the same sentiments we we do. Yeah, like that in hindsight, it's not as bad as we said it was. It's great. It's like a really, it's a good uh, comedy. According to Wikipedia, it's called, they title this a rom-com. Which it kind of is, I but could it's see more it. of a yeah. sarcastic comedy with a I lot see. of great one-liners, which we'll go through. Yes. So uh, when we watched this, um, we both sat there with a clipboard and paper, and we wrote down several pages of notes of things that we wanted to air out today. Also, we, we wanted to do this like the day after we watched it, and then life got in the way and we were busy. And uh, so we may have forgotten a few things. It's now like over a week later, but here it goes. So do you want to start off with the beginning and how, like basically set the scene for this movie? Because the first scene was quite something. I think so. And I think I might even predate the or go ahead of the first scene. So, um, you know, Kelly, when movies open and you see like uh, Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise. Yeah, like uh, the credits. Just, they, yeah. They, yeah. And they list the major actors. So this this is no exception. Paul Gross, Leslie Nielsen. And after that, did you know anybody? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I had to IMDb every actor after watching the movie. I had to IMDb all of them. I recognized one guy from uh, the Red Green Show. Okay. Uh, but other than that, I had never heard of any of them except for Paul Gross and Leslie Nielsen. Paul Gross from uh, the other Canadian gem of a TV show, Due South. That's right. Another 90s throwback. Yeah. I remember watching that show back in the 90s, but I remember absolutely nothing that happened in that show. <laughs> I remember his dog. He yeah, had a dog named Diefenbaker, right? <laughs> yes. What a great name for a dog. Uh, anyways. Uh, anyways, yes. Beavers, <laughs> you tell the story. Okay. So the movie starts off with bagpipe playing in the background because bagpipes are very Canadian but are also very associated with curling so I don't know if there's a little cultural appropriation like happening there <laughs> but anyway so you have this guy playing the bagpipes and you have a beautiful landscape of the Canadian wilderness or more specifically I guess they're like based in northern Ontario right I think so it's then, a fictional town it's a fictional town probably like Sudbury area anyways and then you have like these beavers <laughs> that appear <laughs> All over the place. Let me tell you, the CGI technology <laughs> back in the early 2000s was something. And then uh, the first shot is of a daughter and her elderly father in a boat fishing. They catch something and are, they're reeling it in and it's a curling stone. And apparently this curling stone is part of a legend where no one knows why the curling stone was at the bottom of a lake. And then they pull this curling stone up, and then the father <laughs> has a heart attack and dies on the boat. 
I believe you mean to say that he goes to the great bond spiel in the sky. <laughs> exactly. To quote the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, pardon me. <laughs> so essentially, this whole scene sets up the the premise of the movie, whereas the father who died wants his ashes buried in, in the curling rock, which I didn't know was possible, but apparently, yes. And he wants to bring the whole curling team together because before... Paul Gross used to be the skip of a curling team, and I guess they're very successful. But for reasons we'll find out later, the team disbanded due to a very controversial issue. And the father, oh, it wasn't his father, but like this old man dying was to like bring the team together. And it was his final wish for them to curl in a bond spiel. Right. Last time. And win the golden broom. That's right. Win the golden broom. Um, yeah. Pretty much the, the Hollywood equivalent of the briar, I would say. Pretty much. And feel free to cut me off here if, I, if I'm if i jumping forward too much. But then I think we meet the members of uh, Paul Gross's age-old curling team. Uh-huh. They start with the lead who uh, runs a funeral home. And I wrote it in my notes here that he the movie trope here of the loser husband and the... Um, uh, Uptight wife? Tra- yes, trapped in a loveless marriage and the wife who's just so embarrassed by him and just keeps ripping on him and oh i hate you my life could be so much better by the way pass the beats and he passes the beats down the table and it stops perfectly in front of her like perfect draw weight because that's you what know. leads do you know <laughs> yeah i just want to preface this that like in this movie they tried to put in a curling innuendo wherever they could yes. like this movie is just filled with it which is great <laughs> and then you have your second who's the takeout artist right that's how they call them and the second was the was it the guy who was had a messed up life? No, the second is the guy who's trying to get his wife pregnant. Right. Okay. So throughout this movie, again. Okay. Yeah. So we watched this movie when we were twelve, and let me tell you, it is not rated PG. <laughs> so the second and his wife, their whole thing is that they're trying to get pregnant, and so she throughout the movie keeps measuring when she's ovulating, and then. Every time she comes in, she's like, I'm ovulating, I'm ovulating. And he has to stop and they go do the thing. Here's something we should have said at the beginning, by the way. Um, this podcast is rated PG-13 for viewer discretion is, or listener discretion is advised. And then we have the third, right? Who um, He's the one who's been involved in a lot of shady transactions. I guess that's the G-rated way we can put it. Yep. And then you have Paul Gross as the skip. And I think for whatever reason, we meet the third in a motel room, right? Yeah. And <laughs> yes. Uh, and but I, I like what I wrote here. And it's that um, there's some kind of business dis- business dispute, as the third puts it, occurring in this motel room where somebody comes and beats the crap out of him <laughs> yeah. um, and picks him up and uh, shoves his head through the wall of the motel room. <laughs> and this is the this is the kind of thing that I enjoyed about watching this is that you pointed this out. Mm-hmm. We rewound it and watched it again. But when um, the guy who's beat him, beating him up walks through the drywall, it tears away in a perfect rectangle. Well, even before that, you could already see the outline of the drywall. Yeah, <laughs> the like we, that's it. There was a little fault line like yeah. where it was going to give way when he walked through. And then he pushes the guy completely through the drywall, and it's just like a perfect cut. <laughs> just a perfect rectangle in the wall. It was great. The production va- like budget was uh, really um, exactly. Was really we're going to make si- we're going to make similar comments about every rock that was thrown in. The- <laughs> in this oh movie. my god! Like, should we talk about all the curling scenes? 
I think so. Yeah, like I'm just looking at my notes. I'm trying to go in chronological order here. Like I don't know if I've skipped over anything, but I have it here that they drive that they're driving somewhere after they've reunited and they're driving with the curling rock on the roof of their car. Yeah. Um which mm-hmm. I feel the need to Oh, go ahead. With the old man's ashes in the rock. Right. And I feel the need to point that out because um, one of the things that you and I have both lived with forever is the having to constantly explain to non-curlers, no, we don't carry our own rocks. No, we don't use corn brooms. No, we don't. There's so many things that people assume about curlers. And just seeing the, the rock sliding along the roof rack of the car made me think, well, there, that's why one of the reasons people are going to believe it. Mm-hmm. And just for, this isn't so much about curling. This is so much about, okay, who are we kidding? Um the the guy involved in the business dispute, as we're calling it, um, at this point, they've knocked him unconscious, I believe, with a curling rock to the head. Yep. <laughs> and they've stuffed him in the trunk and they get pulled over by the police. And this guy is regaining consciousness in the trunk. <laughs> and um, the police officer seems totally fine with this. Well, I think at on. one point, Paul Gross slugs him. Yeah. Uh, go but- ahead, sir. One thing I noticed, and this must be, is probably just like a small time, town thing, but the cop pulls them over and then all four guys just get out of the car. <laughs> that is true. And like form a line to block um, block the, the trunk. car. Yeah. While Paul Gross goes and punches him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't remember what they were talking about, like curling or something. And I think she asked them about curling. Yeah. She's like, are you guys off to the curling club? <laughs> Do you think that we could talk our way out of a speeding ticket with curling? I don't think so, especially no. not where we live. No, exactly. This is a very quick aside, but uh, you know when you have to take your curling shoes through airport security mm-hmm. and like carry on? I've, I remember always having to explain to the person why one shoe weighs so much more than the other. It's really suspicious if you've never seen a curling shoe before. I thankfully have not had that problem to date. <laughs> okay, so uh, or go ahead. Do you have anything? Um, I was just gonna jump to the two, like the two love interests in this movie. Oh, go for it. The old man who died had two daughters. One of them uh, was, I guess, married to Paul Gross or his character. He, or, like, I believe, divorced or no, no, I believe he abandoned her at the altar. He left her at the altar, and this woman, of course, I don't know why, but <laughs> they gave her job. They gave this character the job of. She's an insurance salesperson, right? No, an astronaut. An astronaut. Not just any astronaut. No, no, no. She gets called up by ASA, the American <laughs> Space Agency, which I guess maybe NASA's copywritten or like trademark, and so they can't use um use their name. But yeah, this woman in the middle of northern Ontario just is an astronaut, and she gets called up by ASA. So Asa gets involved in all of this. But then she also has a sister, and I don't remember her name. Julie, right? Or Amy. Mm. Julie is the astronaut, I think. Amy is the other one. The other sister. She's a physiotherapist, and she's always had a thing for Paul Gross. So we see we have this love triangle thing going on with two sisters. And I have to point out, by the way, do you remember why Paul Gross abandoned Julie, I believe, at the altar? Why? Because it was over the shame of burning a rock. Right. And actually, you know what? Let's just say this now. I mean, I was going to bring this up later, but let's just say this now. It wasn't Paul Gross that burned the rock. It was one of his sweepers, but Paul Gross did not report it. So he's lived with this shame that he skipped town. He ran out on all his teammates. He abandoned his fiance. He threw this curling rock in the lake. But 
since when is it the the thrower's job to report a burned rock? Well, you would think that the person who burnt the rock would be the person who carries all the shame. Exactly. And we've we've burnt rocks. We've all done it. You know Mm -hmm. right away. Mm -hmm. There's no way you burn a rock and you don't notice it. I remember my brother once, by the way, quick aside, wiped out in front of a rock, (laughs) kicked it onto the next sheet. I had turned away. I think I threw the rock. I turned away and I look back at him and I see the rock going sideways onto the next sheet. And I ask, what what the heck happened? And he just goes, I I think I burnt it. I was like, you think you kicked it? But not all burnt rocks are that uh, obvious. Like sometimes it could just be a little tap with the broom and you wouldn't know unless someone told you. Oh, exactly. But like, how's Paul Gross supposed to report well, this? That was I'm going to whole... give Paul the benefit of the doubt here. He's been ripped off. So during the movie, you know, so the guys, they finally get back together and they start practicing for this huge tournament to win the golden broom. And of course, you can see it coming already in one of the games. What happens? One of the sweeper burns the rock and Paul Gross doesn't say anything. But the way that they had it filmed is like the rock just just grazed the uh, sweeper's foot. And the shot just happens like as it should happen. So nothing, it didn't really affect the rock. But then it was like as if, I don't know, Paul Gross, like you must have bionic eyes because there's no way you would have been able to there catch is that. no way. No way. Exactly. But, you know, I get it. It's for, for TV and they got um, they have to keep the storyline going. They got to come up with some storyline. Which brings us, I guess, to more curling inaccuracies in this movie. <laughs> right. I guess the most obvious ones are the shot called is like an outturn, right? But then the sweep, the thrower throws an intern. And then the shots of the rock gliding down the ice alternate between an outturn and an intern. Absolutely. And at one moment, it's going up the center line. And then a second later, they cut to another camera and it's a meter off the center line. And then <laughs> another shot and it's back on the center With line. With a different turn. <laughs> With a different turn. So I guess whoever did the post editing of this movie was not a curler because... And I hate, okay, we, we've got to acknowledge this. Like, I was going to do this later, but let's do it now since we're mentioning it. Um, okay. I got to look up who this is. But um, now, obviously, Paul Gross is not a curler, although he did a pretty good job here. But they had a professional curling consultant for the movie. I read the credits. <laughs> okay. Who was um, it? It was, it was George Karras. Kelly's got a who is that kind of look right now. But he's been to the Olympics. He was on Mike Harris's team that went to the 98 Olympics. So oh, okay. He, he, they, they had some professionals on board here. Plus, there were a few celebrity cameos. So, um, Oh, many. We can get into those. <laughs> yeah. So the curling inaccuracy part, I mean, that should have been a bit better. Yeah. I mean, it's not that difficult either. No. Like, obviously, and some of the parts we, we just to clarify that, like, some of the things are um, obviously not realistic to curling. Like, even the, the rocks they use are, like, the 50-year-old rocks with the little tiny, the only color on the handle is that little ring. Sorry, you're going to use that example of something not realistic, <laughs> not the rock exploding after a takeout. Well, there's there's many things. I'm going chronologically. Okay. I'm going chronologically. That part, I mean, is inaccurate, but I mean, you and I laughed at that. Yeah, it was hilarious. Right. But the, but the trying to throw the rock and having it start on the center line and then move a meter and change turns randomly, like. Yeah. Oh, come on. Anybody could have done that better. I mean, also, they could have just had someone else throw the rock 
in the background and just film that. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Maybe, hold on, maybe it was a creative choice because this movie was already super ridiculous and they probably acknowledged that. So they're just like, we're going to make this as ridiculous as we can. I suppose. And, uh, other curling inaccuracies that I noticed. So Leslie Nielsen, oh, we didn't talk about Leslie Nielsen yet. So his role in all this is that he's the father of Paul Gross and becomes like their coach. And what he's been spending his time on is uh, living on a farm growing magic mushrooms because... <laughs> You know, of course, <laughs> because and so uh, once the guys decided that they were going to do this and Leslie Nielsen came on board to be the coach, he's like, just come on over into my barn and I have a sheet of curling just ready for you guys to start. Yeah, there was a on. sheet of ice inside his barn. And I remember saying to you, that must be the it must pick so much there was hay like everywhere off to the sides not just it's like a wooden barn like no insulation crack in the walls you know not even just picks but just like how can you get just decent ice to throw a rock down oh yeah by the way i just have to add that like um when paul gross visits his father who the movie suggests he has not spoken to in many many years Mm -hmm. um he has this great line of like i'm not asking you i'm not asking you to help me i'm not asking you to love me I'm just asking you to coach me or something like that. I'm butchering that. But I was like, that's how all great coaches are recruited, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, there's a lot of great one-liners in that one, in this movie. The one that like- Oh, and by the way, sorry, the the sheet in the barn, I believe we both pointed out is not regulation. It looked very narrow. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I wrote that down in my notes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What a stupid point to cut you off with. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, it's all right. It's all right. But speaking of one-liners, there are multiple in this movie. And I think the first one that really made us laugh out loud. So uh, Amy, the daughter who's not the astronaut daughter, is um, a recovering alcoholic. And there's a scene where she saw Paul Paul Gross. I love how we're using their actor names and not their real names. (laughs) Paul Gross, an astronaut girl, like doing it in the car, like getting back together. And this kind of put her in a tailspin of going to the bar and drinking again. Paul Gross goes to get her, brings her back home, and she has a little boy who's what, like six years, five years old, five, six years old. So he puts her down. She's like passed out. The little boy is like, oh, no, mommy. I don't remember exactly what he said. He just tried to say like, Like, she's really tired. Yeah, she's really tired. Mommy's sleeping. (laughs) But she'll be fine. And then this little kid is like, thanks for lying to me. But we both know she's shit faced. (laughs) With like the straightest face. <laughs> I find there's nothing cuter than seeing little kids swear. And that one I was not expecting. <laughs> but anyways, this kid continued on to have a fabulous career. I know. We just discovered he's he's a hip hop artist now. <laughs> what was that great line that he had? I, I wrote it down. Hold on. Oh, great. Yeah, so he's a hip hop artist and Rob found this on YouTube and sent it to me. And I mean, the uh, a song is just amazing. Just a white boy talking about the haters on the internet. And one of the lines goes, my lyrics have a nice ring to it like a Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, I can't. His second most famous verse after what you just quoted. <laughs> Pretty much. I don't know. How many um, views does he have on YouTube? I don't know. His name is Connor Price, by the way, because... We both Googled the names of every actor in this movie other than Leslie Nielsen and Paul Gross, trying to find anything else that they've been in. And we really couldn't find anything. But when I stumbled on the Wikipedia page of this person, I didn't even remember who he was in the movie. But then it mentioned that he was this six-year-old kid. 
Yeah, so his name is Connor Price, or goes by Corday, C-O-R-D-A-E, and this song is super. He only has 6,000 views on YouTube, so go give him some love. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's a race between us and Corday for the most viewers. So then there's another great line that made us laugh. And this is um this is kind of at the end where astronaut girl gets called by Asa, who also making it like these guys, these top sergeants or I don't know what you would call like top military officials who work for the American Space Agency fly up to northern Ontario to come get this girl. <laughs> and then they end up watching curling and like loving it. But anyways, near the end of the movie, when uh, spoiler alert, and they win. Of course. It's a sports movie. I mean, what else would happen? Yeah. Paula Gross is downstairs in the locker room and she comes down to like say goodbye and they're all like, good luck with life and stuff like that. (laughs) I'm going up into space. And then Paula Gross is like, okay, I'll see you when you come back. Unless that O-ring blows. (laughs) And you're like, oh my God. We both were sitting there trying to figure out like, why would they bring that up? Yes. Who does that? And Honestly, like in in terms of the writers here, what were they going for? A joke. Oh yeah, but like, does anybody laugh at that and think it's funny? Other than us, us? who laugh super <laughs> awkwardly at it and be like, "Ah, uh, that didn't work." I don't know. It was. I mean, it's dark humor. Uh, so should we go into like the big tournament that happens at the end there? Yeah. So Kelly and I just had a long conversation about awkward things in this movie that she probably has just cut so to rejoin the conversation here by the way can i just add that um another curling inaccuracy that you pointed out yeah um when they first meet up and they are discussing the idea of curling together again they go to a curling club and they've got the ice to themselves but paul gross is at one end and the other three players are at the other end and they're having this big long meaningful conversation but they're talking about as loudly as we are here. And you pointed out, like, there's no way they can hear each other. Right, right, right. They're at opposite ends of a curling sheet. It is scientifically impossible to hear. I barely hear you when we're curling and you're right next to me. I've also been in a curling club uh, alone with someone else in the dark. Like, we're the only two people and we're standing at opposite ends of the curling sheet and we still could barely hear each other. Exactly. It's impossible. No. We should have probably kept uh, tr- um, kept track of all the curly inaccuracies and just like tallied them up at the end. I think I did a bunch. Like I haven't counted, but I've written down every inaccuracy that I can think of. There was another one briefly. Their first, um, when they decide to go for this, they enter this little local tournament and they play a team where I would say the average age is 80 to 85. The guy on his walker. <laughs> Yeah, there was a guy curling with a walker, and that I've never seen before. And I believe he threw with a stick, I'm ima- I imagine so. Um, but there was one guy who was still getting down in the hack and throwing it. But by throwing it, I mean he took a step. He didn't slide. He took a step and just heaved the rock. And by he- and again, the term heave is used very generously here. It, more like he gives it draw weight plus maybe a couple of feet. And of course, because... The shots, the way they're filmed, they're not really believable. He makes a raised quadruple takeout or something like that. Because those are easy shots to make, especially exactly. at that age. With just draw weight, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I guess the ice was just incredibly fast in that game. Let's just, yeah. We'll give them the benefit we'll of the doubt. We'll give them benefit of the doubt. In 2002, the ice was super fast. Uh, there was a great line, though, in one of the games I wrote down. So you know how in games, 
some members of the team, especially the front end, may have a tendency to be very vocal, which kind of slows down the game, may throw the skip off. You know, we've had You're these telling me there was a grand slam this weekend and I watched a little bit of Kevin Cooey, quick oh, no. aside. Yeah. Oh boy. I watched him watch like uh, he had five seconds to throw his last rock and it was this run back quad or something. He only got three of them. So we lost. But I was like, hmm, if you ever had more time to throw that. Well, maybe (laughs) Kevin Cooey should watch Men With Brooms because Paul Gross (laughs) at one point was like, they're arguing what shot to do. And he's just like, I'm the skip. I make the call. Get into the hack. And then there's like a broom slam. (laughs) We need more aggression like that. Yeah. Skips need to be assertive like that. Like that was one thing I'll I'll definitely give the movie. Mm-hmm. You see, if Kevin Cooey took that attitude, he would not be running out of time at the end of the game. <laughs> that's right. Ben Hebert, the... stop it. That's right. And John Morris too. Oh my God. Well, at least he's a third. He has a little more right to be vocal, but also John oh, Morris. Oh, it's true. But they're, they're a team of like four skips. I know Ben has never skipped in his, li- or in his competitive life, but he essentially is a skip, I yeah. feel like, with that team. Yeah, um, that's true. So I have here another thing where at one point in the movie, I don't remember what it is, I guess, neither romance with Amy or Julie or whoever is going particularly well. So Paul Gross is depressed. I think he's burned another rock or something like that. I don't remember. But he's at a bar and he's drinking and um, there's the local TV is showing, of course, curling. He asked the bartender, how much for this beer mug? And the bartender tells him the price. Then he says, how much for the TV? And he tells him the price of the TV. He says, that's pretty fair. And he takes his beer mug and he throws it at the TV, busting the screen. And I wrote it down here that even that was poorly filmed. Oh, really? Like, in one shot, you see the, the mug leaving his hand and then the TV explodes randomly. Like they didn't even make his throwing of the beer mug at the television look believable. Production costs are very low this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. And also this movie was sponsored by Moosehead. Oh, yeah. Because they were always drinking Moosehead. Mm-hmm. I guess they couldn't get a Labatt sponsor. Maybe it was too expensive. I guess so. Also, this is a very detailed, but I think there were several sponsors that wanted no part of this movie, Kelly, because at one point they were uh, at a curling club and we could see some ads under the ice, but there was also an ad that was clearly whited out. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it was for, but it was clearly some company going, we do not want to be part of this. So one point I want to talk about is this actual like tournament that happened. Yeah, the, the Golden Broom. Yeah. So you know how the big story now with Curling Canada and the world, the WCF, is how do we attract more people to come to the games and make them more interesting and yada, yada, yada. These people at their next uh, AGM meeting need to watch Men With Brooms because if you want like a very engaging uh, tournament, the Golden Broom has it. I agree. I liked the format. It was like the Briar, but instead of representing your province, there were random cities across Canada, some real, some not real, represented by people from that city. All the cities were real? Well, the one that Paul Gross is from isn't real. Oh, no, but everything else is real. But I was talking about more um, like the entrance and the whole like production of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I have in my notes next. Go ahead. So the teams come on or most of the teams come on being led in by a bagpipe player, which is pretty standard. But this time, the bagpipe player was playing O Canada on the bagpipes, which also made me question why we don't do that. Yeah. It was, and it was, a, bagpipe, it was a bagpipe slash electric guitar thing. And yeah. I was thinking, that's pretty cool. And then the big rival or like the the team to be. Yeah. The juggernaut. Alex, the juggernaut yount. I wrote it down. 
the, the major antagonist of the movie. And he looks like he's like fresh off the plane from Sweden. And their team, <laughs> they're all dressed in these like like holographic tracksuits, which are just amazing. Yes, the pants too. And then you have like this electric guitar playing with the fireworks. And then these cheerleaders dressed up a la Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders come on. <laughs> and the team just gets like brought on with the cheerleaders. And everyone's like, oh my God, that is a show. So I, maybe we should start bringing our, our teams out like that as opposed to I just certainly want to see those I certainly want to see those jackets. To hell with those provincial crests. Let Team Manitoba walk out in those aluminum foil pants and <laughs> just see what happens. Wouldn't be the worst fashion choice they've ever made. Nope, nope. It was definitely <laughs> um eye catching, that's for sure. By the way, like you know how we were mentioning that like each city was represented by different teams. I have to point out that at one point they introduced the team from Kingston, and they're going, "And Kingston is represented by the Tragically Hip," and it was the f- members of the Tragically Hip. Like you gotta love that part. So the Tragically Hip must be curling fans. They are, yeah. They um, or I mean, they have to to appear in this movie. But I mean, they're such like Canadiana mm-hmm. um, that I assume they would have good things to say about curling. I don't know for a fact, but. Right, but there has to be something to like. Not any Canadian will take part in this movie, so there must have no. They must have some curling connection somewhere. No, the disappointing thing is that in the movie they you see them like nod their head when they're introduced, but they never throw a rock. I would have loved to have seen that. Oh, that would have been good. Maybe it's in a blooper somewhere. <laughs> they must have it on film. So to talk about the last curling inaccuracy that happens in this movie, and it's a pretty big one. So at the end, of course, it uh, comes down to Alex, the juggernaut, and Paul Gross. And Paul Gross throws his rock, and guess what? The other it. sweeper burns it. Of course. But this time, unlike last time, he's actually honest about it, and they're like, uh, we burnt the rock. And then the CCA official, who we both flagged that like we recognized his face, we just didn't know who he was. I did find him. You did, yeah. So did I, but I don't recognize the name. I know, me too. I was like, I've seen this guy. We've IMDb'd him, and yeah, nothing. And he's played in a whole bunch of movies as like an extra, and movies I've seen. So I must have just, you know, seen him throughout my life. But like, we're both—is that an actual CCA official that we've seen on curling? Well, maybe that's why. Yeah, because they were wearing real CCA garb. Yeah, but no, he's like just a total actor from like Ottawa or something. So anyways, Paul Gross says like, yeah, admit it that we burnt the rock. And then the CCA official comes out and he's like, no, but man, like it's okay. Like, cause they really want Paul Gross yeah. to win over the, the juggernaut. The town needs this. That was yeah. his line. This is no time for sportsmanship. The town needs this. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, that would happen. Uh, then the juggernaut being the good sportsman that he is, he's just like, throw the rock again. But I, I hate to cut you off here, but we got to back up a little bit for a second. Okay. Um, because we're in an extra end right now. The extra end of the championship game. And um, in the 10th end of this championship game, Paul Gross makes a ridiculous shot. By the way, there were many times where we paused and we looked at it and said, yeah, that's not there. Or there is a shot there, but they're not playing it. They're playing something that's impossible. Right. Um but in the 10th end, Paul Gross makes a ridiculous, I don't remember what it is, but he makes a ridiculous shot to tie it and send it to an extra end. The crowd goes wild, but now we're in this big pivotal moment. It's in the extra end. Sorry, go ahead. And oh, by the way, too, the entire town is in this in this curling club or arena. 
to watch the game. Oh, yeah. Which also never happens, but, like, the town is obsessed with curling. So, anyways, the juggernaut lets him throw the rock again because he's such a gentleman. And, of course, Paul Gross makes it. No burns. And I think the rock explodes as well. The rock explodes. But the biggest chunk lands right on the pin. Right. Exactly. That's how you count the score. You go by the biggest chunk. <laughs> what if there's a dispute, by the way, about the size of chunks? I, 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 I can't. I, just... I, I don't even want to like entertain this <laughs> question. <laughs> uh, so that was pretty much the end of the movie and one of the last scenes. But um, hold on. Hold on. I'm sorry to <laughs> okay. do this. But wait a minute. We're both... The biggest part of this, so Paul Gross makes this miraculous shot in the extra end, right? Yeah. He should not have hammer. (laughs) (laughs) The juggernaut should have the last rock. That was a detail that I totally missed. I missed that in 2002, but here we are watching this very closely and writing everything down. He makes a great shot to tie the game in the 10th end. And then he makes another great shot in the 11th. The other guy's got a shot. No, no, no. The shot was too good. Actually, maybe there's a rule in the rule book. We'll have to go and see that if you explode a rock during the end, that's the end of the end. And you have to just count score as is because you can't remove the debris and the debris would, would like impede any other rock movement. So maybe I don't know. there's I'd, a disclaimer. I'd be arguing I only have to move one twentieth of the rock. I don't even need full takeout weight here. <laughs> I want my shot. Also, wasn't that not like a totally uh, total change in character for the juggernaut? Like all through the movie, he's made to be like this big jerk, uh, mm-hmm. huge ego. And then randomly, he's totally like, go ahead, take the shot again. It's okay that you burnt it. Like even in regular curling, that doesn't happen. Yeah, but maybe he's he knows he's good. But when he wins, he wants to win fairly, you know, like he really uh. beat. He didn't beat Paul Gross due to technicality. He beat him because he was better than him, but he wasn't. I guess, but even then at the end when he does lose and he's like, I've been around the world and curled on every continent and I've never seen a shot but like that. I'm has- totally butchering the quote, but no one says, do you think Jennifer Jones says that after she loses? Oh God, no. <laughs> but it just, it wouldn't work with the premise of the story because the whole thing comes down to, is he going to admit that they burnt the rock, you know? And you have I to suppose. find a good time to do it. It made us both laugh, so. Yeah. Oh, this whole movie was absolutely ridiculous. So if you're a curling fan or a a very knowledgeable person about curling and you want to watch this movie, just go into it knowing that it's ridiculous. And you should go in with this challenge that we're going to give you and it's to find all the curling inaccuracies. Yeah, because we did a pretty good job of counting them, but there's definitely more that we did not keep track of. Mm Mm-hmm. By the way, like just some random things that I have down that we should mention. Um, one of my favorite parts is like before Paul Gross throws the big pivotal game winning shot, he's in the hack and there's dramatic music playing. And I think the lead asks him what he's doing. And he just replies with, I wrote down this quote, the purity of the heart is to will one thing. And I just wrote that like, that's much better than you got this. Trust it. Right. <laughs> no, they make curling sound so serious. Like, you know how people are serious about um, the NFL playoffs, the Super Bowl and all that stuff. And people are doing bets and right. all that stuff. Like us. Like us. And like this whole town was doing that about curling. It's just so bizarre. It's a bizarre concept. Yeah, they were into it, including the one um, like the commentators, which were Paul Savage, um, mm-hmm. legendary curler, and the other guy who 
the only guy in this movie other than Paul Gross and Leslie Nielsen that I've heard of. And it's the guy from the Red Green show that was the commentator who's just like going ballistic about every shot. Like, I think Vic goes crazy for some shots. This guy was next level crazy. Okay, can we talk about this guy for a second? The commentator? Yeah. So first of all, TSN should hire this guy as color. Sorry, yes. Vic, but I mean, it's time to get some new blood in there. But throughout the movie, this guy starts off like drinking water and then it he evolves to like drinking coffee. Then it becomes he's drinking alcohol and then like hard liquor and every game or like every shot they have of him he just becomes more and more excited and just like and it's unbelievable and it's great yeah he was a bit of a homer but he was uh yeah he was an interesting character this is just one other thing is like as they progress through the tournament they decide to switch to using corn brooms Mm -hmm. you know as you do because you know (laughs) it's gonna improve your sleeping right of course, yeah. And the commentator just had this line that I would, I may have gone blind, or have they switched brooms and rocks? Because uh, you're oh, allowed never, to do that. I don't know even why I bothered to mention that. I just, I had it in my notes somewhere Cause, <laughs> that they randomly busted out corn brooms. Because Rob loves a good corn broom, so. I brought one out to the curling club this week. It was uh, interesting. It was a failure. Okay, well, <laughs> speak for yourself. No, it's right. I I was not able to do it. I'm pretty good with it when I'm standing still, but to move down the ice, forget it. It's okay. You got a whole season to practice with it. So So by the way, one other thing about the movie, um, now that we've kind of gotten to the end. um, So I guess to wrap it up, they win the tournament. Life is good. uh, Paul Gross hooks up with Julie. Is that no, sorry, with Amy. Mm hmm. You could you can understand why we're confused. They're sisters, and they actually look quite a lot alike too. In the in yeah, the movie. like it took me a long time to figure. Okay, which one? And then of course he's with one, and then the other. So whatever. Happy ending, I guess. They've fulfilled the wishes of their dead coach, and yeah, that's pretty much how it wraps up. <laughs> I have a note here though, Kelly, that I really liked the music. Oh, the soundtrack is great. Yeah. If the soundtrack were like, I would buy the soundtrack, which like in 2001 or whatever, 2002, I wasn't really into any of this, but like I wrote it down. Like we, what do we have? We've got, um, the, well, the tragically hip, first of all, make cameos. By the way, so does Jeff Stoughton. Uh-huh. And we think we saw Craig, Craig Savile, right? No, not, we did see Craig Savile. We did see him. Yeah. Okay. We read the credits after and we didn't see his name, but we no, it was were definitely pretty Craig sure it was Savile. him. But yeah, I was speaking of music. So yeah, we had the tragically, tragically hip. Uh, Matthew right. Goodband. Matthew Goodband. New pornographers. Uh, Kathleen Edwards. And uh, Crevia- uh, what's Chant- uh, Chantal Kreviezak, Chant- who's related yeah. to the great Kreviezak curling family. Exactly. So yeah, a lot of a lot of good Canadian artists on this yeah. soundtrack. I know. I would buy that soundtrack, or at least I'll I'll look it up on Spotify and see like. You know, you could make a Spotify playlist called "Men with Brooms" soundtrack. <laughs> I'm just beginning to discover these things. So <laughs> maybe in two years, I'll figure out how that works. Okay. So Rob, after watching this movie, how many curling rocks out of eight would you give it? Oh, oh boy. Well, I, I really feel put on the spot by this. I'm going to say five. Okay. What do you say? I mean, I would have gone for a solid 7.5. Whoa, that's pretty high. Yeah. Okay. But that's because I was thinking of like, I'm... I'm going back to the old Gene Siskel, Roger Ebert thing of thumbs up, thumbs down. It's just yes or no. Mm. So you're a thumbs up. Yeah. And I was wavering on it. I'm going to go with a marginal thumbs up. But actually, in all honesty, and this is a, I don't know if this is a popular thing to say, but 
If you're not a curler, will you appreciate this movie? No. I think you have <laughs> That's to. That's a good answer. You have to have a certain base level knowledge of curling to truly understand it. But what I think we are saying, though, too, is that um, I think we all saw this 20 years ago and we all hated it. It's worthy of a revisit. Go yeah, back and definitely. look at it. I think it'll become a bit of a curling cult favorite if a lot of people watch it these days. Yeah, because I think back in t- 2002, people were actually expecting like an accurate curling movie and we didn't get that so people were just disappointed but now that everyone I'm knows sure my parents were when they took 12 year old me to go see it <laughs> oh yeah make sure there's no children in the room when you watch this movie it's not child friendly at all right and that reminds me make sure that if you ever walk into a movie theater and you see either of us you probably want to turn around and leave because we made so many comments <laughs> but i actually kind of enjoyed it like i thought found it and th- this is the it was thing entertaining Kelly, it was, but here's the hypothetical. What if we had each watched it ourselves and then compared notes? I don't know if we would have enjoyed it as much. I found it kind of fun to like watch it with you and like just take it down and rewind it and be like, oh yeah, the drywall. Because there's things I would have never noticed. Right. So that's why I think you should get, actually, it'd be a really good curling team bonding experience. Oh, you yeah. know how curling teams look to bond? Yep. You shouldn't watch it alone. Get your curling team together, watch it, try yep. to count all the inaccuracies. That's a good Let idea. Let us know of them. That's a great idea. Our challenge to you is to go watch that movie and just leave a comment um, in our on our Instagram page on how yes. you liked it. And one final note here. Um, if you really want a challenge, see if you can stomach your way through the Men With Brooms TV show. <laughs> uh, because I don't know much about this, but I remember years ago um, on CBC, there was something about they were going to make a Men With Brooms sitcom. Mm-hmm. And it must have lasted all of like four episodes or something like that before they canceled it. And I would not normally tune in, but I was like, oh, it's a curling sitcom. I have to watch or I have to try to watch at least. And I remember this vividly. I don't remember any of it, but I remember watching it and not laughing once. Oh, like, I have not was, seen the show at all. I watched one episode and I was like, I'm embarrassed. I'm never watching this again. It was really, really, really bad. But fun fact, like just before we went on air, I found a clip of it on YouTube and there was one scene that made me laugh. Mm -hmm. Um, And the only reason it made me laugh is because I know you. And it just showed clips from this show. And Paul Gross, by the way, makes cameos in this TV show. But otherwise, it's completely not related to the movie other than that it's called Men With Brooms. But um they're entering this tournament in this TV show, this meat tournament. And one of the guys says, well, you can have my share because I'm a vegetarian. I don't want or it cuts to some other guy going, how could you ask a vegetarian to play on our team? And the, the skip just smiles at him, and goes, it's not called a team. It's called a rink, which I, ha- I felt the need to point out. No one's laughing right now, except Kelly hates when people call curling it. teams rinks. Who and- came like, why? Why has this become like? On, yes, on TV, they're like, oh, uh, Jones's rink, Holman's rink, blah, blah, blah. But when you talk amongst curlers, they're not like, oh, I got my rink ready for Tuesday Night Ladder. No, it's like, I got my team together. And the way he so smugly said, yeah. it's not called a curling team. It's a rink. I was like, I can feel Kelly's blood boiling from oh. here. Oh, I can't. It's one, of, it's one of my biggest pet peeves. I know. I remember the first episode we did was about curling pet peeves, and that was the big one. Go mm. back and listen to it. The only yeah. time I ever hear curlers talk about use the term rink is on TV when they're talking about another team. Mm-hmm. Or and by like the way, in just, a journal article. And one other quick pet peeve of yours that I wrote down here is that you must regard Alex the Juggernaut as one of the big all-time movie antagonists or one of the most 
hated villains, in your opinion, I'm guessing, because he slid with a stabilizer. I know, I wrote that down too. <laughs> Hold on. My note, I wrote, best player uses stabilizer question mark. <laughs> I mean, they had to get all um all of like the curling tools in the show, you know? But people don't use a stabilizer. <laughs> don't uh don't use Alex the Juggernaut as your curling idol. I love how I'm complimenting Paul Gross for using a corn broom in an actual competition and Kelly's ripping on somebody for using a stabilizer. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, everybody needs to see this movie. Yeah, yeah it was much better th- than I thought it would be. If you're like uh, everyone else in the world and don't have cable, you can watch this movie for free at gem.cbc.ca. yeah make sure we get that right (laughs) all right bye have a good one 